Hello and welcome to the Indiana Lawyer Podcast, your source for news in Hoosier Law, brought to you by Taft. I'm Indiana Lawyer Editor Olivia Covington, back again as your host this week. Thanks for joining us. Some exciting news on the podcast this week. We have a new reporter to introduce. You'll hear from Tyler Fenwick, Indiana Lawyer's new senior reporter, toward the end of today's headlines. And as always, we have an interview with a legal leader after the headlines. This week, it's Joe Langerak, president of the Evansville Bar Association. So let's get started. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023, and these are your headlines. To start us off, let's hand it over to IL reporter Alexa Schrake, who was in the room for Court of Appeals of Indiana Judge Dana Kenworthy's robing ceremony. Alexa, what can you tell us? The Indiana Supreme Court courtroom was filled on March 1st with judges from all over the state and others who have supported Court of Appeals of Indiana Judge Dana Kenworthy throughout her life. Kenworthy's robing ceremony was a warm celebration overflowing with laughter and gratitude. Kenworthy joined the COA in January after serving as the judge of Grant Superior Court II for 12 years. She is known for her work on child welfare issues, including the nationally recognized Grant County Family Recovery Court. Chief Justice Loretta Rush administered the oath while Kenworthy's mother, Flossie Cantrell, held the Bible and her husband, Alex, stood beside her. Alex helped with Kenworthy's robe as well. This was Court of Appeals Chief Judge Robert Altice's first robing ceremony in his new role. He noted how Kenworthy's addition to the appellate bench marks history for the court. Today is more than just a robing ceremony. It's also a special moment in the U.S. and the interstate history. We now have eight out of 15 seats on the Court of Appeals filled by women. It is worth noting uh, that only 10 women have ever been appointed to the Court of Appeals since it was formed in 1891 out of 123 judges. It is truly an honor and a privilege to serve as judge on this court at this special time. For her part, Kenworthy thanked the family and friends who have supported her throughout her career. You can read my full coverage of the ceremony on our website. Back to you, Olivia. Thanks, Alexa. Staying in the State House, let's do a quick rundown on where certain bills stand at the halfway point of the 2023 legislative session. I'm going to review just a handful of the bills we've been following. You can read even more coverage from the General Assembly on our website. First is Senate Bill 284, which deals with so-called non-compliant prosecutors. If you've been reading Indiana Lawyer for a while, you've seen my coverage of this issue before. Basically, the idea is to appoint a special prosecutor when an elected prosecutor has a blanket policy against bringing certain charges. A common example comes from Marion County, where prosecutor Ryan Mears has a policy against charging people for simple possession of small amounts of marijuana. This is the fourth year this legislation has been introduced, but this year it takes a different tack by allowing a three-member review board to determine if a special prosecutor should be appointed. The board would be comprised of elected prosecutors with at least 12 years of experience, and the members would be appointed by the Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council. The bill passed the Senate 40-9 to last month and has been referred to the House. Next is House Bill 1172, which deals with paternity actions. In its current form, the bill allows a paternity case to continue in the same court where a child in need of services case was heard. But at one point, Republican Representative Ed Clear, who authored House Bill 1172, 
included language that would have provided representation to a child in need of services if that child was at least 14 years old and met certain requirements. That would have marked a significant step in the push for representation in Chin's cases, but the language was ultimately stripped from the bill. Clear told Indiana lawyer he was disappointed, but he's interested in coming back to the representation issue in the future. House Bill 1172 unanimously passed the House and has been referred to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Last is House Bill 1114, which would have created new judicial positions in Davies, Delaware, Du Bois, Elkhart, Spencer, and Vigo counties. That bill unanimously passed the House Courts and Criminal Code Committee back in January, but it was referred to the Ways and Means Committee, where it's been ever since. The deadline for votes on bills in their original chambers has passed, which means House Bill 1114, in its original form, is dead. But nothing is ever final in the Indiana General Assembly until the very last day, so it's possible the legislation could be amended into another bill in the second half of the legislative session. We'll keep an eye out for that and let you know if the requests for judicial resources are resurrected. One last update from the State House. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita has officially announced that he will seek re-election in 2024. Here's a quick recap of his time in the AG's office. Rakita threw his hat into the ring for the 2020 Indiana Republican Party nomination for Attorney General at the last minute, choosing to get in the race when former Attorney General Curtis Hill's law license was temporarily suspended. Rakita won the nomination from the GOP, ending Hill's re-election bid, then defeated Democrat Jonathan Weinzapfel in the general election. Rakita took office in January 2021 and has made the concept of liberty central to his actions and agenda. His announcement of a re-election bid puts to rest rumors that he was considering running for Indiana governor or even for U.S. Senate. Shifting gears, let's talk about a topic I bet you never thought you'd hear on this podcast, Tiger King. Yes, I am referring to the Netflix documentary that swept the nation in the spring of 2020. We're not talking about Tiger King specifically, though. Instead, we're talking about a case out of the Court of Appeals at Indiana that references the show. That case involves Tim Stark, the former owner of a Charlestown roadside zoo who was featured on the Netflix series. Back in February 2020, just before the show premiered, the state filed a lawsuit to shut down the nonprofit that ran Stark's zoo, which was known as Wildlife in Need and Wildlife Indeed, Inc. The case has taken several twists and turns since then, with Stark even being held in contempt and going on the run before he was arrested all the way out in upstate New York. Eventually, the nonprofit dissolved, the zoo was shut down, and the animals, almost 300 of them, were moved elsewhere. Stark was also held liable for the funds he had misappropriated from Wynn, a ruling that he appealed. But the Court of Appeals affirmed, agreeing with the trial court that Stark had breached his fiduciary duties by using Wynn money for personal expenses. Attorney General Rakita celebrated the Court of Appeals ruling, releasing a statement saying, quote, Despite his 15 minutes of fame in the Netflix documentary, Tiger King and Tiger King 2, Stark was still required to abide by the law, just like any other citizen. End quote. As we start to wrap up today's headlines, let's run through some quick law firm news. We reported in our March 1st issue that the Indianapolis law firm of Lewis Wagner has acquired Hewitt Law and Mediation with the express purpose of bolstering Lewis Wagner's probate practice group. 
the law firm of Quarles and Brady also announced a combination last week, joining forces with Denver-based Adsero IP in a move that will strengthen Quarles' intellectual property practice. Quarles is based in Milwaukee, but has an office in Indianapolis. Lastly, the law firm of Church Church Hiddle and Antrim has announced that retired Indiana Supreme Court Justice Stephen David has joined its ranks as of counsel. David will contribute to the firm's mediation, appellate litigation, family, and business law practices. All right, as promised, let's end today's headlines with our new senior reporter, Tyler Fenwick, who will tell us about a story he's working on for the March 15th issue of Indiana Lawyer. Tyler? Let's face it, no one gets excited when they look through their mail and see a summons for jury duty. But state lawmakers are considering making this responsibility a little more enticing by doubling the pay for jury duty. House Bill 1466 would increase the amount paid to people who report for jury duty to $30 a day, up from the current rate of $15. If selected, jurors would get $80 a day for the first five days of trial and $90 a day after that. The current rate is $40. Juror pay has been the same since at least 2004. The bill would also increase the jury fee collected from a defendant who has committed a crime or other certain violations to $6. The current fee is $2. It would also require the clerk to collect a jury fee of $75 from a party filing a civil tort or plenary action. The bill, authored by Republican Representative Michelle Davis from Greenwood, passed unanimously out of the Indiana House of Representatives last month and has been referred to the Senate's Judiciary Committee. Republican Mike Gaskill from Pendleton is sponsoring the bill in the Senate. I'll explain how better pay might get more people to show up for jury duty, and if any other barriers exist for people who get a juror summons. Back to you, Olivia. Thanks, Tyler. Welcome aboard. Okay, that'll do it for this week's headlines. Visit theindianalawyer.com for more on any of these stories that we covered today and for more legal news. Stick around after our sponsor break to hear my conversation with Joe Langerak, president of the Evansville Bar Association. Taft, today's modern law firm. At Taft, we cultivate a highly respectful, transparent workplace that fosters creativity, teamwork, inclusion, and diversity. We couple our culture with a client-first approach, rewarding lawyers who understand their clients' goals and work to deliver success. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. For this week's extended interview, I'm joined via Zoom by Joe Langerak, a member in the Evansville office of Stahl, Keenan, Ogden, and president of the Evansville Bar Association. Joe, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. A graduate of Aquinas College in Valparaiso University School of Law, Joe's practice includes business litigation, bankruptcy and financial restructuring, and auto dealer services, as well as serving as outside general counsel for a number of Evansville companies. In addition to the Evansville Bar Association, he is a member of the Indiana State Bar Association, the Kentucky Bar Association, and the Defense Trial Council of Indiana. All right. So the question I always start with, Joe, what brought you to the practice of law? That's a great question. <laughs> uh, you know, I had I had the privilege of working with a law firm during undergrad. And at that time, I didn't really want to become a lawyer. But Uh, I got kind of a flavor of the issues that they were dealing with, and I saw that they really enjoyed 
uh, the heck out of their jobs. <laughs> and they were doing challenging but meaningful work. And I said, you know, if that's a career that makes people happy and they're delivering a good service to their client, this is something that I should consider. And that kind of led me on my way. Sure. So let's talk about the Evansville Bar Association. Backing up a little bit, how'd you get involved? Do you remember? I do. Uh, my first uh, opportunity to serve the bar was as a young lawyer rep when I was two or three years out of law school, which I did probably 13 or 14 years ago. And then uh, I had the opportunity around uh, nine or 10 years ago to rejoin the board. And I've been on the board continuously since. How'd you get into leadership positions? Is that something you had always been working toward? Uh, no. Uh, the way that we kind of work uh, on our leadership succession, we call it going through the chairs, is when you see somebody that's engaged and they may have a willingness to continue service beyond uh, two, three-year terms of the bar, you just have a conversation and see if it's a right fit. And they came to me a few different times after saying no. And finally, I said, mm -hmm. okay, let's go ahead and do this. And that was about four years ago. So tell me about being president. What does that entail for you? So I've been the president uh, pro for probably eight months now. And uh, what it generally entails is speaking engagements on behalf of the bar, helping develop the agenda for the board meetings, uh, trying to determine a platform for your service. Uh, during your tenure as president, and just the generality of uh, fielding issues that come before the Bar Association as an organization. I guess backing up a little bit, uh, about how big is the Evansville Bar? We have around 550 wow. uh, lawyer and paralegal members. Wow, that's pretty large. So what is your platform for, as, for your year as president? Well, it, it's interesting you should ask, Olivia. So I had these dreams of grandeur uh, <laughs> eight months ago when I took over uh, the mantle. And I, I, I thought, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. But before I took that live, I, I called members that I'd had long-term relationships with and said, what do you want? And the more I talked to folks, they really just wanted to get together with their counterparts coming out of the pandemic. They mm -hmm. wanted that in-person opportunity to just feel that sense of community among lawyers. And so I frankly scratched a lot of my plans and we've just been trying to develop a platform and, and produce numerous opportunities for folks to get together in person and you know come out of the pandemic and just spend some time with their fellow lawyers and, and have that opportunity. And uh, it's been very well received. So is that like CLEs or networking events or what is that? So the, the way that we've done that, it, it somewhat dovetails into us moving into new space, effective January 1. But uh, we, we've, we're hosting pizza with the bar. We're hosting happy hours at the Bar Association. Uh, we just had an uh, open house earlier this week. Uh, so we're trying to provide opportunities for folks to get out of the office and come together as a group. Um, in more social settings, without a set agenda, we're naturally uh, presenting CLEs constantly, sure. and that's one avenue. But folks didn't want uh, to be fed uh, necessarily a platform. They just want the opportunity to see one another. And that's been getting folks out of their offices and into the bar in a pretty effective manner. You mentioned new space. I don't think I knew about that. This is actually my second move with the Bar Association since I've been on the board. And, and we moved downtown 
uh, effective January 1 to 501 Main Street, downtown Evansville. And one of the things that we wanted to do is move our location to close proximity to our members. And this new location puts us within walking distance of around 70% of our members, whereas before we were not that close. It's also uh, on the ground floor of Main Street, downtown Evansville. And so it's kind of in the hub of your daily your daily commerce. Uh, you'll see folks walking to lunch pretty frequently, especially on a nice day. And our space is forward facing, uh, windows facing Main Street. So it's very accommodating to folks. In addition, one of the things that we wanted to do is bring members of the legal community into our space. So part of that is uh, we have Stuart Richardson core reporting that's actually in our space. Oh. Their Evansville location is right, right in our space. And so we wanted to bring folks that we work with on a regular basis into our, our new space. Uh, on top of that, we offer you know rooms for mediation or depositions for out-of-town attorneys. Uh, we've had a few Indianapolis firms that had uh, depositions down here and they needed space and we were happy to accommodate them. And so we're, we're changing the utility of the space to make it more uh, community oriented. Is there anything from that initial platform that you mentioned that you have incorporated in some way? Yeah, there, there's been two things that we've tried to, to implement. One is uh, a better focus on the health and well-being of our members' mental state. Uh, I think a lot of us realized uh, the stress that you go through in the legal profession uh, that was really brought to the forefront by the pandemic as everyone was going through different emotional reactions to being secluded uh, here and there, having to socially distance, uh, reduction in social gatherings and professional get-togethers. And so we've been holding um, CLEs in, in that regard and trying to put out communications about that topic. In fact, that we we have a, a wellness event April 13 coming up where we're going to talk about strategies to just be a healthier legal professional. And so that's one of the things that we tried to communicate on a, on a larger basis. The other thing is we wanted to engage with the Henderson County Bar Association across the river in Kentucky in a more meaningful way. That courthouse is around eight to nine minutes from my office. Wow. So it is right, it is right across the bridge. Yeah. Um, it's just a short drive. And we've re really not worked with the, the other bar association in a real meaningful fashion. And so we're launching that uh, process and we hope to have an event here at Ellis Park, the, the horse racetrack uh, here in the next uh, two or three months where both bar associations will get together. I know you're admitted in Indiana and Kentucky. Is that pretty common down in Southern Indiana, Northern Kentucky to be admitted both places? It is. You'll find that there's a lot of triple admission because Illinois is also only about 40 minutes to the West. And then, as I mentioned, Kentucky is right across the river. So certainly a dual practice is beneficial. Uh, I practice regularly in Western Kentucky. Um, and so that's that's come in very handy. Um, and that they've got a great bar association, Kentucky does. Uh, and I'm a member of it. And uh, I've always been welcomed with open arms, even though I'm a Hoosier. What about with the Indianapolis legal community, you know, with the judiciary being based here, Supreme Court, appellate courts, do you work with them very often? I do. I, I'm fortunate to work out of our Indianapolis office, uh, certainly in the past year, uh, a few times a month. So I spend a decent amount of time in Indianapolis. But I'll tell you, 
you know, Louisville, Nashville, uh, St. Louis are all closer from driving time than Indianapolis. And it's oh, kind wow. of a weird, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing when um, Indianapolis is our state capital and yet it's it's so much further away. But I keep in good contact and I work with a lot of Indianapolis lawyers on on cases. So um, I, I, I have the pleasure of, of working with Indianapolis lawyers pretty regularly. And also when we were looking at our new space from a bar association standpoint, one of the things we looked at was the Indianapolis Bar Association right there downtown. Yep. We thought they just did a great job uh, with their space. Any other big events coming up for the Evansville Bar Association? You've mentioned a, a few things on the radar. Got um, our annual law day, which is our our biggest event, uh, where we'll get several hundred lawyers to come to on April 20 uh, here in Evansville. Uh, it's just a good uh, event for the bench and the bar to come out uh, on an annual basis and see each other. Uh, we've got a volunteer event of uh, Clean Evansville coming up on May 6, which sounds just like it is. We're going to go ahead and clean up Evansville in a, in a variety of ways. And then uh, we've got those cross-border events that I mentioned to you. And Pizza at the Bar, we, we kind of stole that from St. Joe County Bar Association. Uh, we're going to do that quarterly and just get together for pizza at lunch each quarter. And hopefully we'll have a great t- turnout for that going forward. Yeah, you mentioned um, kind of adjusting your plans based on, you know, leading in a post-pandemic time. Any lingering challenges from COVID or just any challenges in general you've been seeing in your years, President? Not simply um, relative to the Bar Association, but uh, across across the market. And I think I've my, my counterparts of our firm and other metropolitan cities have seen this too. Folks aren't going to events as much, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's a nonprofit event, whether it's a gala. And what I think happened is folks realized that maybe we don't have to go to absolutely everything because they missed so much for a year or two. And guess what? Life went on. So what we're trying to do at Bar Association is really build meaning and deliver value in the events that we're hosting. And so on CLEs, we're trying to target it topics that we hear our members really want to go to. Or when we host an event, we're trying to make it purposeful. For example, that, that healthier lifestyle CLE. We know members want to hear about that. It also gives them CLE. And so we're making sure to be conscious to combine those topics and really deliver value. So it gets people to come out. And that's that's just that's a good uh, takeaway that we're happy to to try and react to. You know, if it takes something meaningful to get people out, maybe we can deliver better value to our membership by being cognizant of that. So what do you think has been the benefit of the Evansville Bar to your practice? Well, we react to what our members want. And so whether that's a topic for a CLE, whether that's mentorship to younger lawyers, whether that's understanding how one more senior lawyer uh, reached the level that they're at or the practice that they have. I think uh, creating that community concept and instilling that certainly with the younger lawyers can really help guide them in their practice. And at the same time, we've seen our senior lawyers enjoy the opportunity to not just practice law, but also instill some mentorship um, to other lawyers. Uh, me personally, you know, having having that membership and the relationship that I have with the other lawyers, I know who's got a great form on a particular topic. And I'm not afraid to just reach out and ask for, you know, some free work product. And <laughs> 99% of the time, they're going to send me that or they're going to tell me their war story of dealing with that particular topic. 
So uh, to be blunt, it's made me a better lawyer by being a member. And at the same time, it's made me a happier lawyer because I get the opportunity to meet just great people that enjoy the practice and that have uh, found a way to build a life here in Evansville uh, around being a, a professional. Kind of a, a similar question. What's your elevator pitch to get someone to join the Evansville bar? Well, it's just what it's what I just said. You're going to get your, your return on investment. It It's going to be tangible for your membership fee. Uh, you're going to end up receiving either advice or work product that will easily, from a quantifiable metric, be well worth your dues. If you get just one form, it's going to save you an hour or two worth of work. And so immediately right there, you've got you've got value out of it. And then from the intangible aspect, you're going to meet great people that are going to help you have a better practice, either substantively or just uh, how to be- have a better balance in life as a lawyer. And I, I, I have uh, reached the benefits, which caused me to eventually agree to serve as president. <laughs> and, um, it, it, it's not just lip service. It's truly meaningful. So you said you've been president for eight months. So you're on the, the downside of heading out of that office. So what comes next? Do you stay in a, a leadership position? Uh, after serving nearly 10 years, uh, I think I've earned some time off. So I'll be rolling. <laughs> I'm rolling off the board, probably take a breather on, on serving for a little bit. Uh, but I'm, I obviously will continue to be a member and continue to go all of our events. Uh, but I, I am going to roll off the board here and, and, and enjoy just being a member. All right. Anything else about the Evansville bar that we haven't covered that you want to share? Uh, I don't think so. I think, I think that's about it. All right. Well, then that'll do it for this week's extended interview. Thank you again to Joe Langerak for joining us. As always, you can hear previous episodes on theindianalawyer.com and we'll see you next time.